Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Yeah, crank up that music on a Monday. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, here from the WBT Studios at Freemore West. I guess if I start saying it over the 50,000 watts, it'll become a thing, right? It's going to be a thing. Mick Mulvaney coming to us from nowhere near here on a Monday morning. Can you hear me? What is Freemore West? Freemore West, I'm told, is the area of Charlotte where we are. We're on Freedom Freedom Drive or near Freedom Drive at the top of the hill on uh, West Moorhead. And so no, you are always going to be, for, for, for the end of time, you'll be at one Julian Price place. That's the only way place that WBT is supposed to be. So we call it now, it's called Would You. Would You <laughs> Jewel. Now, Wool, I, know, Wool Jewel. I know some, some <laughs> broadcasting types that would, would call this Fulfillment Hill. I like the t- that. The top of the hill, if you're a broadcaster, this is the hill you want to be on. I think James K. Flynn's the first person I heard him say that. Fulfillment Hill. So we're here at the top of the hill. Uh, and, and so the reason I'm saying this, Mick, is because for the last hour or so, we've been talking about nicknames for areas of Charlotte because there's a county commissioner, a former county commissioner here that was uh, saying on social media, does anybody really call Lower South End Loso? You ever heard of Loso? Um, no, and since I'm on the, I was on the original, the very founding um, uh, group of the South End Development Corporation that branded South End and tried to get it started back in the early 1990s, I might know a little bit about Loso, and I've never heard that word before. Yeah, so if you, of all people, don't know about this, because we've had some real estate people call in. Kenny Smith, who's a, 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 a realtor developer around town, says that in real estate circles, people know all about this. But what I'm talking about is, you know, the, the common conversation, it, just person to person during the day, is Loso become a thing the way South End or the way Noda, you know, some of these areas. And, and so you're kind of reinforcing that, uh, no, it's not gotten to that point yet. Listen, I am where I am in life in large part because of the Charlotte real estate community. I mean, we, we built houses there for 50 years. I've spent a little bit of time in real estate. My guess is that's just a real estate broker trying to justify their percentage. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> 704-570-11. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, uh, so you're in uh, you're in Florida today, correct? I am, and we're trying out this new technology. I have these fancy new $19 headphones that uh, the WBT said I should buy so I could do this uh, remotely. Well, uh, you sound, uh, people listening may, uh, it sounds a little bit uh, overmodulated. We're going to see if we can fix that uh, coming up during the hour. But we can hear you well enough. And uh, John Moore, in fact, let me start off with this because uh, I want to play a clip for Mick Mulvaney. It's, uh, it's number one. CPAC over the weekend uh, in Maryland. Uh, first time it's been out of Florida in a while. But Donald Trump, President Trump, former President Trump, was uh, the, the I, I don't know if you'd say keynote speaker, but he was the finale speaker for the weekend amongst many other speakers. And some of them may be presidential candidates and some of them are. But this is uh, the clip I keep hearing over and over from his speech. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior, I am your justice, and for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution, I am your retribution. Not gonna let this happen. Not gonna let it happen. 
I will totally obliterate the deep state. I am your retribution. Yeah, there's, uh, let's, let's do an hour on that clip um, because there's a bunch of different pieces to it, and, and we can. Let's, let's, let's start in no particular order. Um, that's not, um, he's not winging that, all right? That, is, that was written out for him. So those three things, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rhetorical tool. You, you're an A, a B, a C. You do one, you do two, you do three, right? Everybody learns that when you learn formal rhetoric. So someone wrote that for him. So that means that that is a message that they have tested. That's a message that they want to use. That's a message you're going to hear here again. I was your justice. I would, you know, I'm your retribution, etc. So that's not by accident, um, which is a little bit uh, uh, interesting in that for some reason they think that's the message that is a winning message. Uh, this is the biggest, if I have one major difficulty with the way the president campaigns. Of course, every time you raise the issue with the president of why he campaigns, at least in, uh, up until 2020, he could always look at you. And he did look at me and say, Mick, I hear what you're saying. Have you won a Republican primary for president? Have you been elected president? Of course, the answer is no. And he's going to do it his way. But I would always, always push back on Mr. Mr. President. Politics is a game of addition, not a game of division and subtraction. It's addition and multiplication. How do you find people who weren't going to vote for you to get them to vote for you, right? That, that's, that's the key, especially if you've lost your last election. We had this conversation about Arizona. I said, why are you attacking John McCain? He's like, because John McCain is a terrible person. I said, you know, I happen to agree with that. I don't like John McCain. But by you attacking John McCain in Arizona, there's not a single person, not one voter, who said, you know what? I wasn't going to vote for, for Donald Trump until he attacked John McCain, and now I'm going to be for him. But there could be thousands of voters who could be for John McCain who look at this and go, why am I voting for Trump if he's against John McCain? So he was subtracting, always, always, always subtracting. I don't know who the target audience is for this retribution justice message because all of those people were already voting for Donald Trump, but there's going to be middle-of-the-road, normal, nice voters in Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa who hear that and go, how can I get as far away from this guy as possible? So it's a game, even if they voted for him once or even twice, it's, he's subtracting from his base, not adding to it with language like that. Um, and that's just the first thing I could say about that little 30-second clip. Welcome back. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, Mick Mulvaney is with us today, former White House Chief of Staff. And, of course, uh, South Carolina Congressman, budget director uh, during the, the Trump administration for a time and a special envoy to Northern Ireland. And here we are uh, listening to President Trump do something we've heard him do uh, numerous times now, and that is make a speech at CPAC. And uh, this is not the final CPAC before uh, the 24 election. That'll be next year. But this one uh, was the first one out of Florida in a while. It was in Maryland, and uh, he was the... Uh, he was the final speaker over the weekend on Saturday. I want to play a clip that we were talking about last segment, and I know Mick has more to say about this one. It's a short one, so let's roll that again, John Moore. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. Now, a lot of times with Mick Mulvaney, uh, with Mick having worked 
uh, very close to President Trump for uh, the for for that year. We uh, you help us figure out when President Trump is on script and when he's going off script. So you say that that particular exchange right there uh, that was all all the way uh, choreographed. Yeah, the only thing then that was uh, improv was the re was the repetition of the retribution. When he said, "I'm your retribution," I am retribution. That's what he's reading. That he likes that line, so he says it again for emphasis. But that's not on the teleprompter. That's him winging that as he goes because he, he just feels like the room responds well. And that's a that's a good line. The rest of it about I will totally obliterate the deep state, and I think he then goes on to say and drain the swamp, etc. That will also would have been scripted. It was interesting to me when he first started that, you know, he said I, in 2016, I said that I am your voice. Now I'm saying I am your, and he said warrior, kind of like it had a question at the end of it, like, like that he wasn't sure about that line when he read it. Did you get that indication just in, in, in his inflection? Uh, a little bit. Sometimes that's just his, he knows what's coming next. I'm your warrior. And he's, he, he's, what he's really getting to is whatever comes next. So he's pretty good on the teleprompter. He never liked the teleprompter. I remember... We gave a speech from the, from the Oval Office one time during the government shutdown, and he really fought doing that because he doesn't like the teleprompter, but it went so well. And then right after that, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer gave their sort of famous American Gothic style um, uh, presentation from a teleprompter, and they did so poorly that Trump walked in and he goes, we need to do that again. He goes, I'm not great at it, but I'm better than those two, and he's right. So he's pretty good at a teleprompter. I don't think he was asking a question as much as he was sort of leaning towards the next line, which is, I am your retribution. Okay, I want to play you uh, another clip from the speech. And uh, this one, uh, again, I, w I want to know what you think was scripted here and what was him riffing, or maybe it was all of one or all of the other. We will get rid of bad and ugly buildings and return to the magnificent classical style of Western civilization. We will support baby boomers. And we will support baby bonuses for a new baby boom. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good. I want a baby boom. Oh, you men are so lucky out there. You're so lucky. You are so lucky, men. Our country will shine, thrive, and prosper like never before. All of this is within our reach, but only if we have the courage to complete the job, gut the deep state, reclaim our democracy, and banish the tyrants and Marxists into political exile forever. They are bad for us. They want us to fail. They want our country to go down. They are sick people. Change only happens if we plow fearlessly ahead and declare with one voice that the era of woke and weaponized government is over. That is our task. That is our mission. And this is the turning point and the time for that decision. A baby boom? Mm. Yeah, that's actually, um, it's the first I've heard of that. Um, by the way, I, I, I hardly think that uh, classical Western architecture is going to be a swing issue in the election, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that we'll one surprised that one me. Like, the, we're like, we're going to build better buildings. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves that, by the way. Remember the story I told about him being in North Korea to go over and criticize the North Korean architecture with Kim Jong-un. So it, it's serious to him. And by the way, it's something when he became friends and he did start to strike up a relationship with Prince Charles, not King Charles, it was over um, architecture, something that both men follow. So it's, it's real to him. But my guess is we never hear that line of speech again because they're the only two people in the world who really care about it. It's not going to move um, a, a single vote. 
Um, the baby boomer thing is, is uh, that's interesting. I've not heard that before. It certainly gets discussed in conservative circles. Um, there are some countries, Hungary, most notable about them, that have started to give incentives to um, people to have babies. By the way, a lot of the Asian countries do it as well, simply because their growth rates, their population rates are declining. And what they do is they give certain tax incentives. I think in Hungary, for example, you don't pay taxes if you have a fourth child ever. You, the rest of your life is, is income tax free. Um, uh, by the way, I understand that Russia has adopted it as well, interestingly enough. So it is certainly a topic that is making its way through conservative academia and intellectual circles. I've never heard the president talk about it before, but clearly he's going to make that part of his his uh, his campaign. The one thing I take away from this, and we can talk about the deep state maybe in, in a different clip, is look, love it or hate it, and I, it doesn't speak to me. Of course, I know the president differently than most people. At least this is not a rehash of the 2020 election. So, so far, uh, most of the speech that I've heard, most of the speech I've read about online uh, and stuff were forward-looking which is a dramatic departure for him for the last several months. Well, just really quickly, yes or no, the riff where he said, men are so lucky, men, you men are so lucky. Is that scripted or is that just him saying, is that just him? No, you hit the nail on the head. That's, you can sort of listen to the cadence, listen to the cadence, and when the cadence changes, that's him riffing. So, oh man, you're so lucky. That's absolutely him riffing. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back. It's Bo and Beth. News Talk 1110 WBT with Mick Mulvaney here talking about CPAC over the weekend. It's, uh, it's not the CPAC of the election year. It's the CPAC before we really know how the field is going to shake out. Uh, if this were to happen, and it will happen a year from now, uh, all the all the players will be in place, and even some of the players will be gone by this point. But uh, here in uh, 2023, you're still, uh, you see a few candidates, and you're speculating about who else is going to join the mix. Uh, of course, Ron DeSantis, very notably, not there this weekend. So, Beth, you and I have been making sense of this this morning, and now we have Mick here who uh, can sort of give us maybe a window into why certain things were said. Mm-hmm. This particular clip, Mick Mulvaney, is Nikki Haley, who spoke uh, before President Trump, obviously. But uh, I want to play you this clip because uh, she obviously is the only other candidate that's officially declared at this point. As a brown girl growing up in a black and white world, I saw the promise of America unfold before me. As the wife of a combat veteran, I saw our people's deep strength and the courage to defend it. As governor, I saw our state move beyond hate and violence and lift up everybody in peace. And as ambassador, I saw that America is still the standard. When we speak, the world listens. Where we lead, the world follows. Who we are, the world wants to be. This will always be the greatest nation in human history. Now we have a duty to make it greater still. This is my purpose. This is our mission. Let's save our country from weakness and wokeness. Let's bring back a nation that's strong and proud. If anyone can do it, it's the American people. And I have faith that we will prove it again. Thank you and God bless America. All right, you know Nikki, Nikki Haley very well. Uh, the one thing I'll say about that, I said this to Beth earlier, is that one thing is for sure, we've heard this speech several times now. 
Like, uh, we, we know what she's going to say, essentially. And with President Trump, actually, we heard some things that we had not heard yeah. before. So uh, what do you make of Nikki Haley and her moment this past weekend? You know, it's a pretty good speech. Nikki delivers a really good speech. Um, uh, so she covers all the basics. That's called a biographical introduction, right? This is to, uh, you might not know who I am. You may see my face. You may recognize my name, but let me tell you a little bit about who I am and why I'm running. Most candidates will do that for the first couple of times. I'm a little surprised she's doing it at CPAC because they probably know who she is. But again, it's a good speech. I think more interesting is the fact she was there because she was the only other person. Yeah, she's the only other announced person other than Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, who I don't think anybody knows. Um, so, But the fact that she was there, Mike Pence was not, Mike Pompeo was not, Tim Scott was not. I thought was very interesting. It strikes me as I was listening to that, that really that's an audition for vice president uh, is what it comes down to. There's an audience of one for that speech, which is Donald Trump. Donald Trump loves people who are good on TV. He loves people who are good at delivering speeches and so forth. Uh, and my guess is this ties in or could tie in at least to the longer discussion we've had separately about why Trump has not been attacking her. You know, what's the real, you know, does she have a chance in the race? I guess she does. Again, she's a, she's a compelling candidate. I'm not sure how the you know brown person in a black world sells um, in the Republican primary, but um, I, you got to wonder if this is really just the positioning of, of a Trump Haley ticket, or at least an audition for that. Uh, I think Trump wants her in the race because we've talked about the data before that shows Trump in some polling at least losing to DeSantis head to head, beating DeSantis when Nikki's in the race. Uh, so I think that's interesting to me, not for what she said, but for where she said it. She was at CPAC. Uh, she's giving a biographical speech at CPAC to people who should know her, um, and it strikes me that maybe who she's speaking to in that speech is Donald Trump. With her messaging, you know, her her speech was it more hopeful sounding, whereas we go back to the former president's speech, and he's talking about you know retribution as as what his his goal is as a as a leader. Is is there a sense that? voters have moved past this idea of anger and maybe want more hopefulness? I, I think it's just a question of you, if you're running and you really think you have a chance to win, what are you going to run as? You, you can't be more angry than Donald Trump. You can't be more of a warrior retribution candidate than Donald Trump, right? Because that's he owns that real estate. So what you're trying to essentially run as, I suppose, and all of them will have a, a, a sort of this common theme to their campaign is I believe in the same things he does. I want the want the same ends that he does, but you're going to get the same things you get with him with a little bit warmer, a little bit softer edges, a little bit, you know, brighter face that, that you know, the Trump policies without Trump. That's going to be a consistency across all of the candidates to that. So that part doesn't surprise me. Now, of course, there's the straw poll that they take at the end of every one of these. Um, Donald Trump, 62 percent of those uh Polled there, 20% in second place is DeSantis, and Nikki Haley is a distant third at 3%. So you had uh, 2,028 votes from attendees there. Uh, what does this even mean, I mean, if anything? Wow. Uh, wow, that number should be much higher for Nikki. Because um, ordinarily, when you go to CPAC like this, and there'll be events like this. This is CPAC's a big one, by the way. It's not nearly as big as it used to be. It's suffering under sort of the scandal of the, of, of the of leader Matt Schlapp's allegations around his personal activity. Uh, a lot of folks, uh, you know, abandoned CPAC this year. The attendance was way down. But still, at events like this, people tend to reward the, the straw poll voters, people who are there. That's what they poll, right? The folks who participated at the conference. They tend to reward people who show up, 
because they showed up, right? So you like the fact that somebody's there. If you're going to travel to Washington, D.C. to go to one of these conferences, you'd like to see folks show up. So it doesn't surprise me that maybe Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence don't make the list of there. But for Nikki Haley to show up um, and, and give that speech and only get 3% and for DeSantis not to be there and get 20 that's the takeaway from that. The other takeaway would you know, I guess Donald Trump's numbers are very big, but CPAC has become Trump PAC. It just has been. Everybody knows that. In fact, it's been that way now for about six years. It's one of the criticisms that I've had of, of, of Matt Schlapp, the CEO of CPAC and of the event, is that it's turned into a, a Trump sort of cheerleading group, um, which it was never intended to be. Um, so for him to get 63 percent, I guess, could be noteworthy and that it should be bigger for the people who are there. WBT. News Talk 1110 WBT, Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman, coming to you live from the Tide Boyd studio. Mick Mulvaney is with us. And I want to play a clip that's not from CPAC this weekend. And Mick, I don't know if you saw this or not. Do you ever watch uh, Bill Maher uh, on HBO? No. Yeah, well, he uh, his latest show on Friday, uh, he's talking about uh, the... You know, the headline last week about uh, the origins of of COVID-19 and the lab and where did it come from? And, and, you know, some new some new chatter on this front. Let me play this and then we'll talk about it. I feel like we're entering this phase now with COVID where we are in a period of we can have perspective. We can look back. It's over. And so there's been a number of studies recently that have come out about things like natural immunity, mask wearing lockdowns, and of course the big one this week about the lab leak theory. Um, I feel like the people who are the dissenters are looking pretty good. I was one of them. I remember getting a lot of from a lot of places. I, somebody dug this up for me this week. Uh, the Daily Beast, <laughs> Daily Beast, uh, had a headline, Bill Maher pushes Steve Bannon Wuhan lab COVID conspiracy. Yes, it was just Steve Bannon. Well, it was, you know, the former head of the CDC. It's the FBI. It's the Energy Department. We don't know. Like I said, we shouldn't politicize it. But would you agree that the dissenters are looking better these days? So uh, on Wednesday, there's going to be another hearing. This is the House Select Subcommittee on uh, Coronavirus Pandemic. Uh, You're going to have Robert Redfield uh, among the people who are going to testify on the origins of covid So we had the China-U.S. relations uh, discussion last week in a subcommittee, and now now this one's going to focus more on, like you said, the the, the Wuhan lab leak theory, et cetera. But uh, where do you come down on what you just heard? Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. I just, by pure coincidence, was in Washington last week and having dinner with Brad Wenstrup, who is the chairman of that committee on COVID, and asked him, talked a little bit about what he was going to do, how he was going to do it. He's a doctor, by the way, an army, an army doctor, and very, very committed to the issue, says he's going to spend, he goes, if, my, if it's my last two years in Congress, I'm going to spend every single minute on this issue because I think the way that the government handled it was wrong. Um, in politicizing the uh, the uh, the pandemic, so uh, Bob Redfield also, by the way, worked with me in the White House when I was on the uh, COVID task force. An extraordinarily bright guy. I put him on the same level as anybody in Washington D.C. and has been contending from a fairly early on. Not while we were still having meetings, but as soon as you had a chance to sit back, take a deep breath, and say, "Okay, where did this come from?" He has he has he said that he thought that the most likely place was from the lab. Um, here's the point is that you're going to get a chance, I think, in large part because the Republicans took control. And granted, both sides politicized uh, COVID, both sides. Trump politicized it and the Democrats politicized it against him. 
um, to the point where we couldn't have these debates uh, up until now. Um, now we're going to have them, and I think you're going to get an even-handed approach to an investigation in both the outbreaks of COVID and how the government handled it. For example, you're going to hear for the first time probably from a source that is, is impunable it, that, uh, you know, we didn't have any, there was no textbook, there was no sort of practice run, there's no uh, uh, policies on a complete economic shutdown to deal with a pandemic. Um, that, that was never the plan. No one ever thought that that was a good idea before COVID. Uh, we did it in large part because Tony Fauci said that we should based upon what he perceived to be success uh, in China. So you're going to hear all of those things. And I hope it gets us a chance to cut through the politics now that Trump is out of office, now that a lot of the Democrats are gone, Tony Fauci's retired, and finally get a chance for people to get real information without that political filter so they can start to make some decisions for themselves. Now, as they start looking into uh, where the where COVID actually originated, there was a, a an article in Politico over the weekend. Uh, China continues to block efforts to determine COVID's origins. And this, this is coming from um, from Congress, from lawmakers who are saying, you know, we're trying to find the source of this, but China isn't cooperating just that statement alone, doesn't that seem to indicate that they do know that it's coming from a lab if they're trying to block any kind of investigation into it? Or am I just uh, reading into that on my own? No, I, I think it's a reasonable conclusion, or at least it's certainly a reasonable re, uh, you know, excuse to want to dig a little bit deeper. But it's just China being China. It's what they've done from the very beginning, which is just to block everybody out. I remember in the early days of COVID, we could not get the American members of the World Health Organization into China. They would not allow... They wouldn't allow anybody in for the first couple of weeks, and then they did. They would only allow countries that they selected. They wouldn't allow the Americans in. And I remember doing an interview overseas uh, in Australia, and I asked them, I said, look, if any other country in the world had behaved like this, if this disease had started in Sydney, Australia, and the Australians had been as terrible at sharing information and locking out the rest of the world, they'd be an international pariah right now. There would be demands to cease diplomatic relations, to pe penalize them, et cetera. But the reason it's different is because every Fortune 500 CEO in the world is marching into the Oval Office, whether it's Republican or Democrat, and demanding that we go soft on China because that's where all their earnings are because they've got a billion people and money to spend. So um, it is one of those things that brings international politics into play um, because, uh, because of where this disease started, because of who the Chinese are. Uh, it's, it's been a challenge from the very beginning. And again, if there's a silver lining to COVID, and it's hard to say there's a silver lining is such a terrible thing, it's that I think the world now sees China for what it is, which it is not a good actor. Let me swing it back around to CPAC before we uh, let you go for this week and go back to that straw poll. We mentioned that Donald Trump got 62 percent of the vote. Nikki Haley got 3 percent. Ron DeSantis got 20. Ron DeSantis did not attend the event. Uh, we've talked in recent weeks about uh, his strategy right now. When's he going to get in? Uh, does he need to get in? What's the what's the plan for Ron DeSantis? Do you think 20 percent is a good showing for him, despite the fact that he wasn't there? And uh, where do you think he is right now on the decision in the decision process to uh, finally get in this thing? Keep in mind, this is Trump pack now. It's not CPAC. It's Trump pack. Right? He's the only you know, he showed up and Nikki showed up. We talked about that already. Anything short of 100 um, would, in theory, be a loss for Donald Trump in that crowd. I mean, this is a, a self-selecting crowd of Trump people who want to go hear about Trump and see Trump. So the fact that DeSantis got anything, I think, is, is the type of thing that should make the Trump people wonder, because that number should be much higher than 63 percent. Now, granted, they'll look at it and say, oh, we're ahead of DeSantis by 40 points, which is true. I mean, it's hard to argue with the numbers. 
but that number should be bigger. As to when Ron gets in, I know you know down in, in uh, Palm Beach two weeks ago we talked about this, and his donors are pushing them in him to get in because they think it clears the field. I don't think that's the case. I can't make a case as to why Ron DeSantis should get in early rather than late. He can take his time. He can still raise the money. He can still campaign. He still has a national platform because he's a high-profile governor of an important state. There's no benefit to Ron DeSantis to getting in early. My guess is if he runs, you won't hear anything until the summer. Mick Mulvaney, always a pleasure. Plenty to talk about. I appreciate you joining us as always. Thanks, y'all. We'll get the tech right next time. It's my fault. I apologize. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get it going. Yeah, we we'll got get it. it. We got it rectified. And uh, always enjoy the conversation. You have a good week. We'll uh, reconvene next week. Beth Troutman and Bo Thompson wrapping it for another day. Got another day tomorrow. We're Thank just you. getting started. Just getting started. As uh, Rush Limbaugh used to say, actually, what would the math be? <laughs> now, what, what, like a 19-hour break for me? I don't know. We'll be back tomorrow, I know, at some point. <laughs> we'll come back.